we are looking at this subject of prayer. Over the last few weeks we've been asking the question, why pray? And last week we explored the importance of the gospel and repentance in prayer. Today I want to turn our attention to the importance of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit when we pray. So in our Bibles, you don't need to turn to this particularly, we've read the last three weeks, but here it goes again. It says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That's James chapter 5, 16 and 17. And then, I'm going to jump into the Old Testament, to just a few verses that this James passage is talking about. It says this, in First Kings chapter 17, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the, in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan, and you will drink from the brook, and I will direct the ravens to supply you with food there. Now this little phrase, though then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, is repeated a number of times within chapter 17, and as Elijah waited on God, he heard and he responded to the word. God. Today we have the wonderful blessing of having a whole book full of the Word of God. Just grab one. And the primary way in which God speaks to us today is through the Scriptures. And He's given us, given us, given us His Word in written form, 66 books. 1,189 chapters, 31,173 words, sorry, verses, and then 807,361 words, give or take a few. I haven't counted them personally, so don't vouch, I can't vouch for those numbers, but you get, you get the picture hopefully. You cannot say that God does not speak to you. Because there is so much in here. It is the inspired, God-breathed, written word. And you will meet God through the pages of this book. You will meet Jesus in this book. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and lead you through this book. And if you want to hear from God and you're not spending time reading and studying and meditating on his word, it should be no surprise to you that you're not hearing from God. You cannot think well, God's not speaking to me. Listening to God is a deliberate choice to shut out the noise of our busy lives, to spend time with Him. God reveals Himself through His Word. You need to take time each day for this to happen. So let's get practical for a moment, okay? I want to encourage you to set aside a time to pray each day. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. Now, the Bible doesn't tell you how long you should pray for. It's not in there, okay? So, there are no rules about this, and this is not a rule, but can I give just an idea of what sort of time I think would be really, you'd really benefit from? We're spending 30 minutes a day in prayer. 
But I believe that prayer involves hearing from God as well. You cannot separate prayer from the reading of the Bible. They just go together. So reading your Bible is a vital, in fact, a necessary part of your devotional time. Now, there are many different ways of doing this. Of course, you can go through, there's various different plans out there. Go through a, the Bible in the year plan or a chapter a day or just study the, a few verses in a little bit more t- detail. But I want to encourage you to, to follow a good Bible reading plan. Put some structure into this because two reasons. Firstly, it will encourage you to read God's Word daily. And secondly, it will enable you to read through the Bible in a reasonable period of time. All of God's Word is for instruction. Not just the nice bits, not just the bits that you want to turn to that make you feel good about yourself. It's all vital for your growth and for your development and for your maturity in God. And I cannot overemphasize enough that God wants his people to know his word. There's no saying that goes like this. If you do nothing but read your Bible, you will dry up. If you only pray, you will blow up. But if you read your Bible and pray, you will grow up. That's quite good, I thought. But also, there's a third thing that you that must happen. You must experience God. See, this is not a ritual. It's not a duty. Personal prayer involved, involving reading the Bible is a wonderful opportunity to experience God, to know Him and to know His ways. And this comes by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit. And the Word and the Spirit are inseparable. Think about it this way. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now John, of course, is referring to Jesus here because Jesus is the Word. He is also God. The Holy Spirit is God, and you can't, they cannot be separated. The Trinitarian nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. It is a mystery. I'm not going to take time to try and explain that this morning. Not that I can, but I'm not going to take time to explain it anyway. But hopefully it helps you understand how inseparable is the Word and the Spirit. They are one and we need to have the Word as well as the Spirit if we are to be powerful and effective in our prayers. So it, it is the power of the Spirit that will fuel our daily devotional time with Him. It should be a combination of prayer and Bible that should bring us in right into the presence of God. I am referring here to His manifest presence. You know that God is with you all the time? Yeah, hopefully. God is omnipresent. It says in one of the Psalms, you cannot, you go to the heights of the heavens, he's there. If you go down to the depths of the oceans, he's there. There's nowhere, there's nowhere that you cannot go. God is with you everywhere. I'm talking about a deeper expression of God's presence. It's a conscience experience presence when you and I need to feel when we are alone with him. See, we are emotional beings and we should experience God's presence. We need the word joined with the spirit. See, Bible reading and prayer is not just an intellectual exercise. 
It needs to be both clear thinking, but also heartfelt searching after God. So let's get practical for a moment. Before, before you read your Bible, invite the Holy Spirit to apply the Word of God to your life. Pray that he would open up your eyes to see and your mind to begin to understand. Also, get a pen and a bit of paper. Have it beside you. When God speaks to you, write it down. But unless your memory is better than mine is, but get it, get it down on paper. And then pray scripture. After you've read your Bible, after you've meditated upon it, Pray it into your life, pray it over your life, spend time there. Listen, if you're struggling to find the words sometimes to, to, to pray, maybe, and I don't know, maybe you think, I want to pray a little bit more, and you think, okay, today I'm going to spend a little bit longer in prayer. So you go through your prayer list and you, you pray for your friends and your family, and, and, and you've done really well, and you look at your watch and you're thinking, oh, two minutes. And, and you know, Learn to pray scripture. You're struggling to praise God? Pray Psalm. Psalm 145, great Psalm. I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, Lord, I want to praise you. I want to extol your name forever and ever. Lord, you're great. Lord, you're worthy of all praise. Your greatness, Lord, no one can fathom. Father, when we say one generation over the other generation, we command one work to one works to the, to another. They tell of your mighty act. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. Lord, I want to meditate on your wonderful act. Lord, your power and the wonders of your work. I want to proclaim your greatness. Lord, to celebrate your abundance, goodness, and your joy and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Lord, you're gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're rich in mercy. Lord, you're good to all. Lord, you're compassionate to all you have made. And Lord, I praise you because of that. We can pray just the words of these psalms and they, they just fuel us in our prayers. Perhaps if you want to if you want to pray for God's wisdom and God's strength over your life, into your life, over your family, over your friends, when I pray Colossians 1, pray, Lord, that I would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May God strengthen me with all power according to His mighty acts. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints. You pray that into your life. You pray over your, your family, over, over, your, over our church. You begin to pray, God, as powerful as you begin to pray some of these things into your life. Write down some key verses, make some notes, some verses that you think, you know what, these are going to really benefit me as I begin to pray and declare these. And you pray them regularly. An article written by Robert Murray McShane, who saw genuine revival in this church in Scotland in Dundee. The article said that the fruitfulness of his ministry and his spiritual growth were the outcome of a strict daily program of Bible study, prayer, and meditation on God. Now, I know it's not popular to talk this way 
talk about sort of seeing these days and that we almost even some would recall at the idea of such discipline within our lives. However, where has our lack of discipline got us? See, the church in the UK is a sleeping giant. We need to wake it up. We need to get up in the mornings and begin to pray. It's going to change us. It will change our churches. It will change our nation. I need a regular plan because if I don't, I end up spending very little and sometimes even no time with God. Without a spiritual discipline within my life, my prayer life decreases and I, I just don't spend any or much time in God's word. I become lukewarm in my faith. It's not a good place. It's not a good place. I know this because I have lapsed too often and too easily. R.T. Kendall, in his book, Did You Think to Pray? He tells a story about a lady who approached a friend of his who had a very strong prophetic gift. And she said to him, or at least asked him if he, if he had a word for her. It had been a really busy day and he felt that he pointed a thousand person who had asked him exactly the same question. And to his regret, he actually got annoyed with her and said, yes, take this and hand over his Bible to her. However, she took it as a prophetic word from God himself. And that story doesn't finish there, because when that man came back to that area a couple of years later, this woman had read and reread the Bible, knowing better than any pastor in the area, and she had become immersed in the revealed will of God. It had changed her life, and it was changing the lives of those around her. Question. Do you want to know God's will? I haven't met a Christian yet who says no to that one. Of course you want to know God's will. Well, do you care enough to read his word line by line, day by day, out of love for him? This is an indication of how much you esteem God, and this is how you will know his ways. And the amazing thing is that the more time that you spend and you seek him to know his revealed will, the better you're going to get to know his secret prophetic will, because the more that you're acquainted with his ways by reading his word, the more you're going to appreciate exactly what he will tell you as a prophetic word. I love prophetic words. This church is birthed out of prophetic words. An extraordinary word of knowledge is wonderful, especially when when it speaks partly into specific situations. And we all battle to know what to do in certain times and certain circumstances. And, and we want to, when we face difficult questions in life, so do we take that new job? Do we, do we, do I, do we sell our business? Do we, do we move house? Do we, multiple other questions we, 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 we battle with each day. And knowing God's revealed will through regular time in scripture will help you to unlock his prophetic secret will for your life. And the more that you know the revealed will of God, the more likely you are to receive a prophetic word. But listen, this is important. It is not a sign of a good 
spiritual appetite to be living off prophetic words alone. It's a bit like living off fast food all the time or snacking while sitting down and taking time to eat a proper nutritious meal. You need to be carefully reading the Bible seven days a week. And as, as you do, I guarantee you're going to grow and you're going to mature in Christ. But there's another reason why this is important. In our prayer meetings, we have been praying that God would revive us. That God would revive our church, revive our city, revive our nation. But actually, revival starts in me and starts in you. We need to be ready. And if and when the Holy Spirit comes down on his church in revival power, who do you think he's going to use? It's not a difficult question, really, because I'm sure you agree with me, it'll be those who pursue God, his word, and prayer. Those who read and listen and learn it in and out of season. See, when scripture comes, when scripture comes alive, it's easy, but, but you must read it, you must give time to God's word, even in those dry and those difficult seasons, because if you are empty, Headed before the Holy Spirit comes in power, you're going to be empty headed after He comes as well. Get ready for His coming. So, why should you read your Bibles? Well, of course, it will fuel your prayers, and yes, it will, you will grow and you will mature in Christ, but also so that there's something in your head for the Spirit to remind you of. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's greatest product. He inspired it, and he has not changed his mind about it, about what he said within it. Our problem is that we like shortcuts. We like things to come easy. We don't, things that don't take us too much effort. But if you desire to truly please God, you need to make a commitment to him today, if you haven't done so already, to get to know him, to, to make a promise to know his word, the Bible. There are no shortcuts to this. Take it seriously and allow it to change your life. But actually, it's equally as important to know the author of the word of God as well, the Holy Spirit. And as you pray and read the Bible, you must have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you need to live in such a way that you enjoy the ungrieved Holy Spirit. And this comes through repentance. We talked about, this, about that last week. Have a listen to the podcast if you missed it. And it is to live in obedience towards God, the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, and all the Holy Spirit-inspired commands written down within Scripture. He is, after all, the author of all of it. It means dealing with your sins, bitterness, jealousy, greed, lust, dishonesty, vengeance, holding grudges, and all those things that grieve the Holy Spirit. The problem is that the Holy Spirit is very, very sensitive person. Now, most of us don't take this particularly as a compliment, but like it or not, that is the way the Holy Spirit is. And most of us think he shouldn't be so sensitive, but he is. It's the way he is, and he is the only Holy Spirit that we have. He is a person who can so easily get his feelings hurt. In Ephesians chapter 4, 30, Paul tells us 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of repentance. The Greek word grieved means getting your feelings hurt. And you hurt the feelings of the Holy Spirit when you gossip, when you refuse to forgive those who have hurt you. And this morning I want you to realise that you are capable of bringing grief to the Holy Spirit and that you must be careful that you do not. You should not want the Holy Spirit to have any grief over your actions or your attitudes. You need to find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and then stop doing it. Now all Christians have the Holy Spirit. Let's just get this right before we go any further. When you prayed that first prayer of repentance and invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anoints us, he sets a seal of ownership on us, he puts his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Because without the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. But if you love Jesus, if you've given your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within. Nothing changes that. It is by grace that you've been saved. And as you've come to Christ, the Spirit has been given to you as a guarantee, as the seal, as the assurance. You are in Christ. That's who you are. It's our identity. Nothing alters that. Nothing changes that. However, not all Christians enjoy the presence of the ungrieved Spirit. And when he is ungrieved, it is like when he comes down and she's like a dove and remains on him. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. The peace and the joy is incredible. I love it when I, when I feel him rest upon me and joy his presence. There's nothing like it, however. The only problem is the Holy Spirit sometimes doesn't stay long. Sometimes it seems only a few hours and I sense that something has gone wrong. I grieve him and he, he flutters away. It might be a wrong attitude. Speaking harshly to my wife, getting angry in traffic, losing my temper with the cat. That happens much too often. And I'm, and I'm sorry to tell you, it doesn't take much to grieve him. He gets easily hurt. There's no greater challenge than finding out what grieves the Holy Spirit and then before you do it, stopping yourself from grieving him. Artie Kendall in the book he writes on the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. He tells the story, a couple went as missionaries to Israel and they, they found a place, a home to live near Jerusalem. A few weeks later they noticed that the dove had come to live and to nest in the eaves of their home. And they were so excited because, well, they felt this was the seal of God's approval of them being there. But they noticed that every time they slammed the door or shouted in anger, the dove would fly away. So one day they said to each other, either the dove adjusts to us or we adjust to the dove. And they both wanted the dove to stay and they, they had a choice to make and they, they changed their lives. Just having that bird living nearby made them think before they raised their voice in anger. The Holy Spirit is a thousand times more sensitive than any dove. 
And if you want to adjust to the gentle, heavenly dove, it means controlling your spirit, restraining your words, sorting out your wrong attitudes, being sure that you're not bitter, that you've totally forgiven those that have hurt you. And when the Holy Spirit is ungrieved within you, you will have his presence of mind, his self-control, and the fruits of the Spirit to the mind to which he is not grieved in you. When the Spirit remains on you, he will make a difference to the way in which you pray and the way in which you understand Scripture. To enjoy effective prayer and reading the Bible, you need to be on good terms with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who illuminates God's Word. He opens our eyes to see the truth that lies within these pages. He opens our minds to receive the revealed and sometimes the secret will of God. And you and I cannot get away with unholy living and then expect to enjoy intimate fellowship with the Father when we pray. You must respect the Holy Spirit in your public and your private life day by day. And the way that you respect him is by avoiding anything that might grieve him so that you might hear him speak through the Bible and directly to you. Listen, prayer is not always easy. Sometimes, yes, it can be thrilling, but very often it is hard work. When you know that God likes your company and the Holy Spirit is ungrieved within you, you will be able to cope with those dry seasons because you can be sure, in fact, you can live with the expectation that at any moment he might show up and he may reveal something powerfully to you or manifest his joy. He is like that and he loves to do those sort of things. I just want to give you an example of a man who lived this out. A man who loved God's word, was filled with the spirit, and who saw God move mightily in revival. His name was D.L. Moody. Moody had no formal theological training and was, was, was even not that well educated either. This is a little aside. You need to realize that Spending time in God's Word is, is not about your academic ability, it's about the Holy Spirit's ability to open up God's Word for you as you read it and you meditate on it. That's what He does. And there'll be some here think, I'm not much of a reader. Listen, nor am I. I don't think I've read a book until I was about 20 years old, if I'm honest. At least not, not all the way through. I've started loads of books, but I never, I never finished them. What about your academic ability? It's the Holy Spirit's ability to open up God's word for you. And early in his ministry, Moody didn't read, he didn't read widely. And he would learn from other people. In fact, he would learn from conversations. In fact, he very often go up to ministers and, and pry them for little bits of information for parts of the Bible or doctrines. However, on one occasion, Henry Moorhouse, a British Bible teacher, told Moody this. If you will stop preaching your own words and preach God's words, he will make you a power for good. That changed his life. Because from that point on, Moody determined to be a preacher of the word. In fact, he avidly read the Bible, he mastered its factual contents. Many of the sermons just consist of, of biblical narratives retold 
and the way ordinary people speak. The key themes of his sermons were the themes that he found within the Bible. And he would say, if it's not in the Bible, it's not worth believing. And if it was in the Bible, there should be no question about believing it. And if I utter a, a syllable that is not justified by Scripture, don't believe me. The Bible is the only rule. Walk by it and it alone. Moody had no patience for anybody who undercut the Bible because the Bible contained the very heart of the Christian belief, the gospel. But Moody was also passionate for the Holy Spirit. By 1870, D.L. Moody and his song leader, Arasanke, spent at least half of their time holding evangelistic crusades. Over many years, or a number of years, Moody preached the gospel and Sankey sang the good news to more than a hundred million people. There is no way of really quantifying the effect of his ministry sufficient to say that tens of thousands became believers or recommitted their lives to Jesus Christ and found their healing and freedom from various bondages. When the Word and the Spirit come together in a person's life, God can use them to even change nations. Just finish with one little short story. Once when D.L. Moody went to England to preach, an elderly pastor protested. Why do we need this Mr. Moody? He's uneducated, he's inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has the monopoly on the Holy Spirit? A young, wiser pastor rose and responded, no sir, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly of Mr. Moody. And you need to let the Holy Spirit have a monopoly of your time. This comes through spending time with him, in his word, in prayer, and when you live a holy life and you are in good terms with the Holy Spirit, you can expect God to move in your life. You can expect God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. You can expect to know what it is to have fervent and effective and powerful prayer. My friends, we need the Holy Spirit. Do you spend time with him? I said again, it's not a popular thing these days to talk about, but can I urge you to carve some time in your day? It doesn't matter when. I prefer mornings, just before the day starts, and I leave it much later, I find life just drifts in and just takes over. But you're, you know your schedules. I want to urge you. You want to, if you want to encounter God, if you want to know Him better, if you want to find real power in your prayer, you need to know Him. To spend time with Him. It's about relationship. Father, Father, we love you. And we wouldn't be here if we didn't. But we acknowledge that, Lord, you're everything to us. And Lord, our heart is that we know you better. But Father, I want to pray, Lord God, that we not, 
Lord, we, not, we don't get bound by duty. But Lord, because of your grace and your love over our lives, Father, we would just learn to enjoy your company. Lord, change our hearts. Holy Spirit, I will invite you into my life, into, into our church, Lord, into the folks represented here, Lord, for those who will listen on, on the podcast. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to rest upon us, but also to show us those things that grieve you, that we may deal with them. That we may we walk with you. That we may walk each step of every day by the Spirit and in the Spirit. Father, we may be men and women of the Word who respond to you and who live with you in everything. So Lord, just just leave this now. Just in a, in a few moments, Lord, just these moments of quietness. Lord, we just, just take, a, take a moment, Lord, just to meet with you. Just speak to us. Just encourage you in the, in the quietness just to just, just talk to God and who knows your struggles, particularly the overly area of, of devotion. And perhaps even you need to make this fresh commitment to him to say, Lord, I want to spend time in your word because Lord, I, Lord, I, I want to know you better. I want to walk by the Spirit, I want to walk by the Word, I want, I want those to be together in my life. I want to be a man, a woman who affects the people around me. Because I'm carrying something of you. Do a deep work in our hearts. But I pray tomorrow morning, Lord, that Lord, you wake us up, Lord. That we may pray. But I pray, Lord, as we, as we come back in from work tomorrow evening, Lord, and Father, you just remind us, Lord, to get down on the knees and just to bring our request to you to be thankful. What stirs to be a moment of prayer? Individually and corporately. Jesus' name.